We've got a very special guest lined up for you this week, a French singer called Charlotte. Since moving to London in 1995, Charlotte formed the band Le Volume Corp. They supported My Bloody Valentine at their legendary shows in 2008 at one of my favourite venues in London, The Roundhouse. Their single Freight Train featured on the soundtrack of one of the best TV shows of the noughties, Skins. And it was in 2017 when Charlotte made headlines as she became the scissor player extraordinaire in Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Their 2017 album, Who Built the Moon, featured the stunning single, It's a Beautiful World, and Charlotte offered a French spoken word segment. So Charlotte, you are a genuine real life scissor sister. I've mm-hmm. heard a lot of Irish musicians play the spoons before, but how did the scissors become your forte? Basically, before I joined Noel's band, I was playing with a friend called Koishi Yamanoa, a Japanese guy. He, we played for two, three years, I think, together. His project is called Grim Grim, and mine is Le Volume Corb. And we used to play shows together, and we used to play his songs and my song in the same show. All right, so collab. That's right. And it worked really well. And, and so I used to play Scissors on one of his track called AZ Eyes. And, you know, I played Scissors for like two, three years before Noel. And people used to really like it, but they, it never, you know, it was, I guess because we have a different audience, people reacted differently to it, if you know what I mean. Like, it just was just another percussion, you know? There's definitely something that draws you into it. I remember watching you on Jules Holland uh, with Noel's band. Mm-hmm. And it was just, although you weren't standing at the front of the stage, it just, I mean, the camera kept panning onto you because, you know, it's an unusual, it's an unusual instrument to play, I suppose. But yeah, it's, there's something captivating about the scissors. It, it draws you in. I know. I mean, it's, see, when Noel, basically, because when Noel asked me first, I was supposed to do one show and in October in 2017, it was the first show, it was a promotional show for Apple. I mean, I can't remember exactly, but... Oh, I think and, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did. so he, he basically said, he texted me and he said, oh, you know, could you play tambourine before your announcement happened in the middle of the song? Could you play tambourine, you know, before and after? And first I was like, oh, yeah, of course. And then the closest we got to the show, I was like, oh, God, I'm not sure. Like, I don't... You know, I'm not a percussionist and I was thinking, I'm not sure I can play tambourine, you know, like as well as maybe someone like him expect me to play, if you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so then I just said, I just said to him, oh, by the way, you know, I play scissors in my band. So I sent him a little video and he loved it. So then, so the day before Jules, I think we had a rehearsal. So we had a rehearsal for this Apple show and then for Jules. I think the, they must have been really close together, these two. And so then, yeah, before Jules, he said, at the rehearsal, he said, oh, do you want to play, you know, Scissors tomorrow on Jules? And Nothing like a baptism of fire then. <laughs> yeah, but see, because for me, because I'd been playing Scissors for three years, you know, I didn't think much about it because, you know, I did some quite big shows and, you know, it was just like, 
people people liked it, but you know, it was never it was never what it became, if you know what I mean. Like it was just it was not a big deal. So when he asked me to play, I was like, Yeah, sure, you know, okay. And then suddenly like the world went crazy and so I was I was quite Definitely it broke Twitter for a few days, didn't it? <laughs> that's right. And so it was kind of a bit of a shock, you know, because, yeah, basically, so that's what happened. Um, it, it, it took over the it took over the Twitter feed for. I know. I felt quite. I felt. I know. I mean, I felt quite sorry for Noel after that because I think every interview he did, he had to talk about scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, so he brought you into the band then to to do the French spoken word. On. That's right, yeah. And he didn't, at that time, know anything about you playing this, is it? No, I mean, I'm the one who, no, he didn't know. I mean, I'm the one who sent right. the video and said, oh, I'm a bit nervous about playing the tambourine, but by the way, I play yeah. scissors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it so, all started. So we've got one of your songs that we're going to play after this interview, and it's called The yeah. House. Yeah. Can you tell us what inspired that track? So basically, in night. Uh, 97 I was living with my ex-partner Kevin Kevin Shields in his house in Streatham South London and it was just a weird house I just didn't really like it I mean it it was nice it was a big house it was nice but it just had a weird energy and you know the way building you know you walk into a building and you know they have a energy like you feel good in them or not or sometimes you can feel a warm vibe and if it's if it's not if it's cold or yeah. yeah it's just weird it's like i'm visiting flats at the moment because i'm trying to buy a flat in brighton but it's like as, as soon as you walk into a place you yeah you just you just feel it it's just weird but anyway so this house i just didn't like it <laughs> so i just wrote a song about it so it's a so it's a an anti-feeling and it's, it's not a warm feeling about the house that you were in at the time. No, uh, because <laughs> I think the lyrics is, you know, I like my friend, but not the house. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not the house. I know. <laughs> so yeah, it was my bloody Valentine house. Yeah. Um, at the time. And so, I mean, a lot of good things I'm sh- uh, happen in this house. You know, I'm sure a lot of great recording, recordings happen there. But yeah, it just had a weird energy. That's it. If you don't connect to a place, then yeah, you can feel you can feel that that vibe straight away, can't you? Yeah, it was it was weird. So growing up in France, then, and which part mm-hmm. of France are you from, by the way? Oh yeah, so from the west, kind of the west coast. Right. Okay. It sounds so, sounds American when I say that, but it's kind of really the west, and then yeah, it's it's the west coast. Out in the countryside, then, or near? Um, no, city? it was like a small town, half hour right. from the sea. Oh right, okay. So yeah. Near the coast. Yeah. I was in the. Uh, I went to the south of France last year. That was lovely. Yeah. Really, I don't really uh, know south of France. Oh, it was nice, Menton and uh, and Antibes. Yeah, it was beautiful. Lovely. But growing up in France, um, who were your earliest influences? So, I would say my. I mean, I started listening to music quite young. I started getting into music quite young, like maybe nine or ten, but. I would say my early influences were like Bowie. That was a very yeah. strong influence. And the Stooges. And oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Velvet Underground. 
I think as a teenager, that w- that that were kind of my main bands. Yeah, um, always. Yeah. Just light years ahead of his game, wasn't it? With everything that he did. Yeah. Stooges, that, yeah, I've only sort of been recently getting into the Stooges. I've got to admit that, but so they've been an influence for you uh, since the early years, then. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bowie, you know, when you're a teenager and you listen to Bowie, it's just kind of, he really made you feel like you could be anything you wanted to be. I think he had this exactly, yeah. influence on, you know, a lot of musicians. That's really what yeah. he made you feel. So when I was into him, I went to school dressed like an astronaut. Because in France, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to dress like you don't have a school a uniform. So, oh, right. So you can go in as, so it's like World Book Day every day in France, and you can go in as a superhero. Yeah. So I just went and I was like all in like silver gear and like silver boots and <laughs> had a bit of a face like this when I was in Bowie. He went as a star man. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and I remember once I was on a school trip, I think I was in Copenhagen. And I went to Christiania, this place, and someone said, oh, you love David Bowie, don't you? <laughs> and I was quite young, and I was thinking, oh, spot on. <laughs> yeah. So, David yeah. David Bowie all over Denmark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, since lockdown, have you, um, have you managed to explore any avenues of social media? No, not at all. Your music? No? No. no? So you've not, not tapped really. into any of these Instagram lives or... No. Or, Twitter sessions or anything like that? No. Yeah, no, not really. I did a gig yesterday. I played a show yesterday okay. in, a gal- yeah, in Brighton in an art gallery called Enter. And it was called, I think it's called We United. It's from Manchester. It's a website called United We Stream, Restream, We Stream United or something like that. And they're doing a lot. Yeah, they're doing a lot of recordings at the moment of like live show. So it was, I played with uh, Steve Mason of, you know, the beta band. And then I play with, so it was Steve, me and Martin Duffy of Primer Scream. All right. And we play, we just did like a short set, like half hour or something. Like we we did some of Steve's song and some some of my songs. I mean, that's it. Now we can, well is the possibility of playing in, in maybe outdoor spaces or doing some some smaller gigs on the horizon. So is that something yeah. then that you're gonna be you're gonna be exploring? You just wanna get back out and gig in as much as you can or well have you got any other projects going on at the minute? Uh, no, I mean I've just finished basically I'm just working on my record cover. I've got a record coming out, an EP coming out on Ernest Jones in like September, October. All right, we'll have to, uh, you'll have to get in touch with us then and we'll, uh, we'll play the lead single off it. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, so um, I'm working on the cover at the moment, and but I'm not really planning. I mean, I don't really have a band anymore, to be honest. I would have to put a band together if I wanted oh, to do so shows. My volume car, but not, um, they're not doing anything at the minute. Then. No, no, not at all, because also because I moved to Brighton, you know, Koshi, my friend, is in London. My other friend Lasselle is in London. I mean, at the moment, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not planning to do shows really. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know right now. I'll see when the record comes out where we at with the kind of live thing. But I think until we can really play again, I don't think I'll be playing any shows. 
No. I don't know. And when you when you joined No Gallagher's High Flying Birds, mm -hmm. and on the song It's a Beautiful Word, your spoken word segment. Yeah. Was that improvised or well, did no have any idea what you were saying, or did he did he just give you the poetic license to say what the hell you wanted? Basically, David Holmes, uh, my friend David, called me. I didn't know Noel. I didn't know yeah Noel. So David David uh, messaged me or called me. He said, uh, "Could you write something about the fact that the world is messed up or something?" And so I think you knew David then, did you beforehand? Oh yeah, I've known David for years because he he really ah, right. he likes my put. I mean, he likes Le Volume Corb. Brilliant producer. So Brilliant I know uh, he's yeah. got a really good test in music. I kind of share the similar test, I think, as David musically, but David got me in Killing Eve. Oh, right. You've been in Killing Eve. Yeah, well, uh, my song Born to Lie has been in Killing Eve episode, uh, series two, episode six. Right. I haven't watched it. I still haven't watched it. Oh, you need to. I, to be honest, I've not seen all of them. I think there's been three series now, haven't there? So I'm still on the first one, but I've seen a couple of episodes. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. You need to watch it. Yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah, I need to watch it at least to see where my song was. I mean, yeah, definitely. I know. So, um, so yeah, so David called me in 2017. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so he said, could you write something about the fact the world is messed up? And so I remember the first time I, I sent them something that was a bit too serious, I think, and a bit too dark, maybe. So then I understood they wanted something a bit more lighthearted and kind of, you know, so I wrote that thing and that was kind of more funny, but you know, and then I don't think Noel had any idea of what I was talking about. They liked the delivery on it. You know, I recorded it, they liked the delivery, decided to put it on the record, but I don't think he knew really what I was talking about until the record came out. Um, I remember when it came out and I remember sort of reading a bit about it and it's, you know, it starts off attention, attention. and. Can you just tell us a little bit more on, on, on what that segment actually did say? So it says, attention, attention, mesdames, messieurs, uh, hold on tight and say your goodbye. Oh, I would it's have about, to, uh, yeah, I can't remember, it goes, I just I think, know. no, but I think, I think it was about, um, you know, this, it's only the end of the world, but. Yeah, it's yeah, about borders closing yeah. down. It's about borders yeah. closing down. And do you know, do you know something? How apt is that now with, with everything that's going on? I know. Four months. I know, I know that. I was, no, do you know, what? Um, I was thinking that just before I took your call, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I know, I was like, isn't that funny that the borders, because at the moment from France, I heard on the news yesterday that they were not letting people from Brazil or from America flying to France. I know, it's true. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, uh, yeah, I just saw that. But yeah, so it was all done tight and say your goodbyes. I can't remember. I it goes I, I, I loved it when when that song came out. I loved it, and I, I loved it was sort of like a guitar loop, and then um, your your spoken word segment came in, and it as your segment faded out, the guitar just picked up into this beat. It was almost it was almost dance esque. Mm -hmm. For me, it was one of the best songs on the album. Oh, great. It's a beautiful world, and then the one that I really loved at the end was "Dead in the Water." Uh, yeah, that's those. so good. Those, yeah, I think those two were my favourites. Um, of Who Built the Moon. Yeah, it's but, it's a great album. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was a fantastic album. Yeah. And are you able to tell the world 
What's the best thing about being a member of the High Flying Birds? The best thing, I mean, you know, obviously the whole experience was wonderful, but I think what I took away from it was, I mean, what what really made me really happy was just meeting the people in the band and like, yeah. and the crew and how lovely they were and, you know, just to kind of meet some new life friends. It, it really kind of felt that way. And everyone was so kind and yeah, just really just lovely people. And obviously touring around the world that it was my first tour. So for me, I was really quite on a high. I was flying high because um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was my first tour. So I was really, you know, I just couldn't believe. I just remember the first time when we flew to New York, the first date, you know, when, when we flew when the tour started and we arrived in New York and then I opened my hotel room, bedroom, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just like bigger than my flat in London. <laughs> you know, and I was just like... Residential suite. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was just like, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. So that was just, you know, it was just amazing. And obviously, I would say the best thing about working with Noel is Noel, you know. He's just a really lovely funny and we just got on really well straight away and yeah he's just really open-minded as well because like I think you know I don't think a lot of people would have had me playing scissors I mean I'm not sure but I just quite like that about him the fact that he was quite open to like trying things and like even with the percussion I was just like oh like you know could I play this or you know what I mean like he kind of let me do what I wanted to do, you know, if it worked, do you know what I mean? But he was oh, yeah, open definitely. to ideas and, yeah. you know, some band leaders would maybe be a bit more controlling maybe or, but he's like, like really open, you know, so it's a great quality, I think, as an artist to kind of be like that and, you know, just be open to ideas. Yeah, of course. And like you say, when, when the band, when the album was being promoted, and you did the dual show and like you say before the Apple Music show and you were playing the scissors and then everybody sort of, you know, it became this little, it took on a world of its own. It became mm -hmm. this little phenomenon for, you know, even for a month or so. But like you say, you know, Noel was, he was, he was pushing that and promoting that and he was like, you know, it's fantastic to, to have, to have this person on board playing the scissors, you know, it was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he took it all, he took it all in, you know, in his stride. That's right. Yeah, that's again, right almost a focal point of the album and the, and, and the tour and the, the press release itself, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a quality, I think, to be that open. So You've just mentioned, oh, sorry. No, no. Saying, you've just mentioned uh, New York. Um, yeah. And it was your first sort of global, all around the world tour. Oh, yeah, I've um, never done a tour like this before. So which cities stayed with you and which, which, which were the best cities to play? And if you could even sort of, Nail it down to one or two venues, which were your favourite? Well, uh, see, I couldn't name any venues because uh, I've got terrible memory and I wouldn't remember any names, but I can tell you and that... And they all look the same from the stage, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, and it's kind of like... Yeah. But, but um, city-wise, the most powerful, I think, tour, I think for everyone, actually, was that American tour in February and March. It lasted six weeks. It was really magical. We all got on super well and stuff. And my favorite cities 
and we ended the tour in March by uh, doing Mexico. So, I mean, my favorite cities, I think, were like New Orleans, Nashville, Mexico. And then when we ended the tour in 2018, in November, we went to South America and I would say Buenos Aires in Argentina. Oh, Buenos, Buenos Aires looks very cool. Yeah, Sorry. the people are lovely. Yeah, I saw the film about the Rolling Stones uh, when they were going all over South America and the guys in Buenos Aires, they were just, in in the best possible way, they were just mental, weren't they? They were just obsessed. Yeah. Like, well, they were on the film with the Rolling Stones, so I'm presuming it would be the same with, you know, with Nolan and Oasis. Actually, Brilliant. the craziest place I forgot was Korea. I mean, oh, um, <laughs> people just go absolutely crazy. Uh, when uh, we... Me and Jess, I'm like standing next to Jess on stage, and it was our first time in Korea. And when we started playing, people went so crazy. I mean, I had like tears in my eyes and I couldn't even sing. I was so shocked. And they're just singing every lyric back to you, yeah. Yeah, it was just so intense. And it took me like probably five, ten minutes to like <laughs> take a deep breath and kind of and I know she felt the same as well. We were just so, you know, it's just so overwhelming to see people going so crazy like this. And that's the power of music. Yeah. So, yeah, Korea was, I mean, that, that definitely that, this show. Uh, yeah. So city-wise, yeah, New Orleans was really nice. New Orleans does look really cool. Um, I think I remember reading that leg of the tour you were talking about. Um, did it start in, did you say February? Did yeah. Like at all? February till March. I'm sure I remember reading something. I think Noel put a Twitter diary up at the time or something. And was one of the shows, was it one of the towns was like, you know, a couple of feet under snow and it was really cold? Oh, yes. Okay. So it was the first gig after, so we did a TV show in New York and then we went to Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. And it was yeah, like Detroit. totally like snowing. And basically what happened in Detroit, we arrived in the morning, like probably six in the morning. You know, I'd never been on a tour before. And basically I was the last to leave the bus. I was like in my PJ and I couldn't see the driver and I couldn't see anyone. And I looked for the driver because the door was open and I looked for the driver for like 15 minutes. And I couldn't find him. So then I left the bus open. <laughs> and, then, and then I went to my room. And then, like, I remember the tour manager saying, like, I think, like, they were a bit shocked that I would just leave the bus. <laughs> leave the bus open, you know. And, oh, so uh, the bus was completely open and unlocked. Completely open and unlocked. <laughs> in the middle of Detroit. <laughs> I know. And like Detroit, you know, and so anyway, but that was, that's a green I was, you know, I wouldn't have done that at the end of the tour, leaving the door bus open, unlocked. <laughs> Fantastic. But they're the stories that stay with you, aren't they? But, no, but I just remember because it was so snowy and I was in my PJ on the street for like 20 minutes and I was like, well, I can't stay here forever. It's like I'm in the snow in my PJ. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, that was quite funny. Lots of yeah, funny memories like this. Brilliant. And they're the memories that will stay with you forever. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Charlotte, Queen of the Scissors. 
and a high five <laughs> bird. We're going to play your tune now, The House. If yep. you could introduce it for us, that'd be great. Thank you, Charlotte Cobb. Thank you. So this is a song called The House uh, from my second album. I wish Didi Ramon was here with me. And that came out uh, five years ago. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you're listening to the UK Independent Music Podcast with Louise and Dan.